the Smith and Seidel Show. Now here are your hosts, Jacob Seidel and Zach Smith. Hello everyone, welcome into the Smith and Seidel Show and for the first time and probably only time just because of technical issues, Zach Smith and I are in the same studio and a day late. Yeah, it's it's kind of strange, you know, being now in the same room, so I'm not yelling at you over Discord anymore, but at least now I can yell at you in real life. Front of the microphone, buddy. I'm doing my best. We've got one microphone. <laughs> <laughs> but now I can yell at you in person instead of over Discord, so this will be fun. And uh, what a... What a week it was in the NFL from the Brown. Oh, wait, we're starting with Major League Baseball. I'm just used to jumping right in to MLB, but what a week in the MLB playoffs, too. Uh, teams we thought could win did not win. Teams we thought would lose did not lose uh, until maybe tonight. We'll find out how that's going. But uh, the central teams on both divisions basically knocked out yeah so um the cubs gone the cardinals gone the reds gone the indians white Sox, both gone the twins gone it's been really weird for major league baseball shane bieber trevor bauer both cy young favorites who jacob and i both believe are gonna be the cy young award winners ourselves they both got eliminated in the first round bieber was rocked in his one start against the Yankees, and then Trevor Bauer put up a really good fight in his own. I believe 14 strikeouts for him. So that's really cool. And, I mean, I guess I can sit here and say that I called that the Yankees are a dangerous team um, when healthy. Again, my dad, he, he texts me right after he listened to our episode, and he says, you're right, son, your dad is mad at you. So the Yankees look very, very dangerous and look to be making a deep postseason run. And I mean, my only issue with the Indians losing was it, I had flashbacks to the 2016 Game 7 of the World Series throughout the entire game because, one, it started off on a rain delay, and then there was another rain delay, and honestly, I think that is what messed it up for the Indians. And then it ended on that check swing when... Yeah, he did go around, but how many Yankees had that exact same swing and didn't get called? Yeah, a lot of weird officiating really affected both of those games. That game, too, was just brutal to watch because it was just such a back-and-forth game. The Indians had hot bats, then the Yankees had hot bats, then the Indians got it, and unfortunately that back into the bullpen with Brad Hand, who's supposed to be the guy, came and just kind of blew it. So the Indians are out, the Yankees advanced, uh, on the other side in the West, the Padres beat the Cardinals. Fernando Tatis, Will Myers, Manny Machado, those guys' bats lit up at the end of Game 1 and carried into Game 2 and Game 3. It was just a really fun series to watch. So the Padres got to advance. The Marlins, as I mentioned, upset the Cubs. So that 2016 Cubs team that won the World Series against the Indians, they're pretty much done, I'd think. And then... A lot of other teams just keep pushing forward. The Astros advance, and a lot of really contested series now. And as as a baseball fan, I do not want to see the Astros anywhere near the World Series. And honestly, I think if they end up playing the Rays, that's going to be a big series for Tampa Bay to win. 
But then you look at the Dodgers and Padres, what might be the most interesting matchup in uh, the playoffs this season. The Padres, a surprise team, they're without their two best pitchers right now, as far as I know, and Mike Clevenger being one of them. Uh, but we'll have to see just what happens in that NL series. The Rays and uh, Yankees are tied 1-1. And the Astros beating up on the A's, not what we were expecting in that matchup. Not by any means. With Justin Verlander out for this series and, you know, you look at the batting averages and the home run rates of the Astros this season compared to last season. Yeah, it's a condensed season, but since the they came down so hard on him, Rob Manfred and the rest of the MLB came down hard on the Astros. Not hard enough, in my opinion, but came down hard. And suddenly they didn't look as good. And Alex Bregman, Jose Altuve, Carlos Correa, George Springer... They all didn't look all that good. So it's really weird that they're up 2-0. Alex Bregman looks awesome right now. And for a team that doesn't have the pitching weapons that they used to have, and it's it's pretty much just the bats, the Astros look really, really good. But I, I agree completely. I think the Astros should not have been allowed to play this season. I don't think the Astros should have been able to pee in the postseason this year or next year. There should have been harsher punishments. We talked about this right when this came out, back when you and I were still on the radio. But it's, in my opinion, ridiculous. The Astros are in the postseason, but the Athletics, who won the West, need to be playing better. And they really do, and they don't have the pitching they did a few years ago when they made a run uh, back when Sonny Gray was down with the A's. But they've got the bats, and they should be hitting better. We'll just have to see what happens in that one. But I, 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 I'm I, going to make my NLCS okay. pick here. I think the Marlins are going to end up rallying against the Braves. They're playing while we're recording. Right now, Atlanta's up 2-0. But I think the Marlins are, the, are a dangerous team who can go on a run. So I'm going to say it's going to be Dodgers and Marlins. And in the ALCS, I think it is going to be the Rays and the Astros. But either way, I think we're in for one hell of a World Series. Yeah, I'm going to kind of echo a little bit off of my predictions. Um, I think the Padres are going to come out against the Dodgers. They're down 1-0 in the series. Uh, As we're recording this, they're scheduled to play tonight at 9 o'clock. Again, Clevenger left last night. But he didn't play the last couple of series, and these Padre bats are really, really good. Fernando Tatis looks fantastic. Manny Machado, although I am not his biggest fan, he looks really good. Will Myers in the outfield, if he's the one making plays too, that's ridiculous. And this pitching rotation's awesome. That being said, you're facing probably the toughest task you will the entire offseason in the juggernaut that is the Los Angeles Dodgers, adding Mookie Betts in the offseason. You still have that dangerous pitching rotation, Walker Bueller, uh, Clayton Kershaw, and all those guys. It's going to be really tough. You're talking stopping one of the most dynamic pitching staffs in baseball, not even mentioning their lineup with Cody Bellinger, Mookie Betts, and all those other players. Uh, but I think the Padres can stick it out. It starts with a big win tonight. And so my my wild or my NLCS 
uh, would definitely be the Padres, but I think the Braves are going to stick it out over the Marlins. As much as I want to say the Marlins will win, I don't see any possible way that that happens. So I give the NLCS Padres versus Braves, and in the ALCS, I like the Yankees in this series. Again, I'm a Boston Red Sox fan, so it pains me to say this, but the Yankees are the scariest team in the AL right now. These bats are shattering balls right now. It They look really, really good. This pitching rotation looks solid. The bats are heating up. The series is tied at one right now, but... I, I really like where this Yankees team stands. If any team can beat them, it's the Rays, but I like the, the Yankees in that. And then the Astros and the Athletics. Uh, the Athletics need to play up a little bit, but the Astros have that postseason experience. There may have been cheating or whatever the case may be with that team, but they still have that experience that the Athletics do not. So ALCS, Astros versus Yankees, and in the NLCS, the Padres and the Braves. And like I said, either way, we're in for probably one of the better World Series in recent history. I, I think at least since 2016. and I think 2016 was probably the best World Series from 2010 to now. Play-wise. Like, it was a real back-and-forth series until, you know, 3-1 lead. But that aside, we'll move on to the NBA and... The Lakers on upset watch after going up 3-1 over the Miami Heat. LeBron almost averaging a triple-double. He's averaging a double-double and nine assists so far this season. Uh, Bam, he came back last night and had a good game, but the Heat just couldn't close it out to tie the series. Yeah, Jimmy Butler got a huge win in Game 3, putting up a 40-point triple-double over the Lakers to make it a 2-1 lead or a 2-1 lead in favor of the Lakers, I should say. But now he faces a really, really tough climb. This team is now down down 3-1 in the NBA Finals. As Cleveland fans know, it's not impossible to come back, but man, is it tough. Uh, it took LeBron James carrying a Cavaliers team with some help from Kyrie Irving, Kevin Love, and those pieces to beat the Warriors a couple years ago. But this isn't the Golden State Warriors. The Golden State Warriors beat you with three-pointers. That's where the Splash Brothers of Klay Thompson and Steph Curry are so dangerous. This Lakers team bullies you in the paint. Anthony Davis, LeBron James, they've got JaVale McGee in there, Dwight Howard is in there. That Just those guys alone can beat you deep. And then you add in Danny Green, Rajon Rondo. The, the Heat are in for a tough battle. They can do it. But Jimmy Butler's their primary ball handler, and I said this going into the series, they've got to find that second hand to really be a catalyst to get him in there Jimmy Butler can't do this himself they got one game out of it they need to try just to play every game as if it's the last but I I don't know if I really see Miami coming back from this one I don't know if I see it either and the Lakers are scary not in the fact that they're shooting threes like your normal west coast style basketball They've kind of brought the East Coast and West Coast styles together and are playing good, fundamental Michael Jordan-era basketball. Down and dirty in the paint, shooting from the outside. And it's entertaining to watch. And, and the thing is, is that this Lakers team can get scarier. They still have room to sign another max deal player. To put that into perspective, imagine a guy like Klay Thompson. Um, let's see. 
what other guys can I throw into this? Because I know a lot of guys have been signing extensions. Giannis Antetokounmpo after this year, not like this current season, but next season, is a free agent. I know that one. But imagine another big-name player going to join LeBron James and Anthony Davis in L.A. You will not stop that Lakers team. Not at all. Jimmy Butler, if he, he can play well tonight... I think he's not, it's not tonight that they're playing. It's on Thursday night that they're playing next after losing Tuesday night. If they can play well and play together and make it a 3-2 series, this game is wide open. LeBron, of all players, knows that every game counts and a team can come back from a 3-1 lead. So look for LeBron to play this game five with everything on it as if he's down 3-1. That's the way I'd look at this game. I fully expect to see 2016 finals LeBron James come in, and the Heat should be scared. The Heat won two, uh, one championship with two championships? I believe it's two, yeah. Two. Two championships with LeBron. They know what he can do, but they're not going to stop him. <laughs> this series is ending tomorrow night. It's going to be tough for sure, and from one L.A. team to another, Doc Rivers, who was fired earlier uh, or late in the month of September, going into October, uh, he was fired by the Lakers after losing to, um, wow, I'm blanking, to the Nuggets in their series. Uh, Doc Rivers was fired, and he just got signed by the 76ers. So, uh, Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons, you guys got a brand new head coach in Mr. Doc Rivers. And, and Jacob, I got to ask, what does this signing mean for a player like Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons? And is, is this like the last chance, would you say, for the Philadelphia 76ers getting a guy like Doc Rivers to come coach? Doc Rivers has had success, not, may, not maybe winning a lot, but he has had success almost everywhere he's coached. I don't know how well he will work in Philadelphia. But I think for the players he has, he's the right guy for the job. He's not going to be like, we're going through this guy and this guy only. He's going to be like, we've got four really good guys. We've got a big four right here in Philadelphia. We're going to pass the ball around. We're going to make it so they don't know who's going to go to the basket. They are going to find a way to beat the, everyone in the East. And I fully expect the 76ers to be a very competitive team next year. I, I would agree, but I would not agree at the same time. Um, he has or had on his team the reigning NBA Finals MVP in Kawhi Leonard. You've got a guy who has pushed the boundaries of the NBA lately with Paul George. And you're up against a Nuggets team that just came back 3-1 to one against the Utah Jazz to win. And you can't close out a game? Like, I understand the frustration of uh, L.A. Clippers fans and why Doc Rivers was let go. I think it was a little early to drop Doc Rivers, but at the same time, this is by far the most talented team he has ever had. And you drop it to a Nuggets team that's tired. And that's what they were against the Lakers, tired. So, you know, if I'm Doc Rivers, I'm excited for a new start. But if you're in... The um, in the East, you're already going up against a juggernaut of the Heat. The Heat are going to be better next year, especially after getting NBA Finals experience. Yes, it's in the bubble, but that you're going to be better. 
Giannis and the Bucks are going to come out motivated. The Celtics are going to be angry and want to come back and play. That's three teams right there. The East, compared to the West, is wide open. There are so many teams that just couldn't make a run in the East. Am I saying the 76ers don't have a shot? No. But Ben Simmons has to be better than what he is. He's a point guard. He needs to be able to shoot like a point guard, and he can't. Joel Embiid needs to stop talking and show what he can do on the court. He does well on and off, but this past season he was injury-prone. This past season he was in foul trouble. The 76ers need to be playing better. Embiid is a good player, but in my opinion, I think he's he talks a lot more than what he shows sometimes. He's a transcendent player, but he needs to become that dual threat that Giannis and even LeBron has become. Look at Anthony Davis, too. Exact same position. Anthony Davis drops threes. I don't see the 76ers as contenders in the East next year, but I think Doc Rivers does improve this team. And with that, we'll end up moving on to the NFL now. And Zach, let's raise a glass to Bill O'Brien and every boneheaded trade he ever made as the coach and GM of the Houston Texans. Yeah, after an 0-4 start and maybe the worst trade in NFL history, trading DeAndre Hopkins to the Cardinals for David Johnson. Congratulations, Bill. You played yourself. That's the best way to look at it. Uh, after an 0-4 start, losing to... Well, in, in the defense of the Texans, you started off the year against the reigning Super Bowl champion Chiefs, the Baltimore Ravens, and then the Pittsburgh Steelers. So, I mean, on one hand, there's that, and then you lose to Minnesota... And that's where they finally said, all right, Bill, you're gone. Um, You cannot trade arguably the best wide receiver in the NFL for a guy who's past his prime and expect to keep your job. And especially when you're the coach and the GM, who are you supposed to blame? Nobody. So Bill O'Brien's out in Houston, and that'll bring up the question of what coaches are on the hot seat four weeks in. Um, I, I'll go first. The, the coach that I think is on the hot seat the most is Mr. Dan Quinn, who is the head coach of the Atlanta Falcons. And ever since that 28-3 collapse against the Patriots, this, this Falcons team looks terrible. Their offense is good. This offense can play against anybody in the NFL. But this defense is atrocious. You can credit injuries only so much. Especially when you're up in games. You're crashing down on yourself. You're up against the Cowboys. You blow that game. You're up against the Bears. You cl- you blow that game. You have to be able to close out games. And the Falcons cannot do that. So, if Atlanta loses anymore. And I said this on Twitter the other night after they played the Packers. If the Packers blew out Dan Quinn and these Falcons, he's gone. I fully expect Dan Quinn to be gone before the end of this season. He is my coach with the hottest seat right now. You see, I agree with that. I'm going to go a different way with it. We're going to go to the coach that's always on the hot seat in Dallas. Mike McCarthy. Always on the hot seat are the Dallas coaches. If Jerry Jones could call plays himself, he would. He really would. Especially after... 
blowing that game to the Browns where I'm going to be honest, as a Browns fan, there's no way the Browns should have won that. But a wide receiver throwing a touchdown pass, a wide receiver running for a 50-yard touchdown, you blocking an extra point that would have kept it a 10-point game and then letting it be recovered in the end zone by the Browns for a two-point conversion. Your guy was offsides anyway, but holy cow. It's, it's Mike McCarthy in the hot seat for me. It's funny. You get rid of Jason Garrett and you think that you can be fine at, at, at coaching. And then you bring in Mike McCarthy, who's been out of the league for, for a year, and he can't do it. The, again, this offense, just like the Falcons, is one of the most competitive in football. This Dallas offense is lights out. But the defense has struggled recently with injury. And the special teams unit, every single one of those players should be cut. Every single one of them. And it's sad to say it, but you should. A lot of Cowboys fans were calling for the defensive coordinator to get fired. Jerry Jones says, no, we're not doing that. So Jerry Jones, if he's anything, he's loyal to his coaches. He's very loyal to his coaches. So that, that, that's the hot seat. There's a lot of other ones on the hot seat that we didn't mention, one of them being Mr. Adam Gase, who will be fired. So with that being said, uh, again, we're a quarter of the way through the season now as we look towards week five, so we'll go ahead and recap those in a minute here. But I just want to throw my awards favorites updates on here. Uh, before the season started, I posted who I thought would win the significant awards in the NFL. I'll re- list them off quickly. My MVP was Josh Allen, the quarterback of the Bills. My coach of the year was Bruce Arians out of Tampa Bay. Michael Thomas, the offensive player of the year, wide receiver from the Saints. My defensive player of the year was TJ Watt, who got ripped off last year, should have won that over Stephon Gilmore. Uh, TJ Watt, the linebacker for the Steelers. My offensive rookie of the year was Mr. Joe Burrow out of Cincinnati, that quarterback. Defensive rookie of the year, Chase Young, the edge rusher out of Washington. And my comeback player of the year is Ben Roethlisberger, the quarterback out of Pittsburgh. Um, I'll let you talk in a minute of your thoughts, but my first quarter of the season updates. Uh, My MVP right now is Russell Wilson. I don't think there's any debate right now. Russell Wilson is playing fantastic. My coach of the year is Matt LaFleur with Green Bay. My offensive player of the year is Alvin Kamara, the running back for New Orleans. And then my defensive player of the year remains the same with TJ Watt, who is the highest graded edge rusher through four weeks. Uh, Mr. Joe Burrow is still my offensive rookie of the year. Chase Young, defensive rookie of the year for right now. He needs to come back from that groin injury. And then Ben Roethlisberger is still my comeback player of the year coming off of that elbow surgery. He's led the Steelers team to a 3-0 start to the season, and he looks like vintage Big Ben. So I'm going to let um, Jacob, what, what, are, what are your predictions? How do you think mine look? Well, I agree with all but a few of yours. MVP, I, I agree with Russell Wilson. I also think we could see Aaron Rodgers in that mix. Aaron Rodgers is making... You could pull the you could pull the landscaping guy at Lambeau Field out on the field right now, and Aaron Rodgers would make him a Pro Bowl tight end. Uh, I, I like Coach of the Year, Matt LaFleur, or LaFleur, I can't say it right. LaFleur. However, um, I will say that if the Browns continue to play like they do, Kevin Stefanski should win that hands down. Um, but quarter way through the season, Matt LaFure is a good point. 
Alvin Kamara, another good point. I'm not going to argue that. Defensive player of the year, I will argue with you on that. Miles Garrett, the last no, two no, weeks. No, 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 no. Three strip sacks in two games. That's, that's, no, no, no. Miles Garrett plays at a different level. And enti- really, the entire front line of the Browns plays at a different level. I, I'm going to, that's my biggest change from you. Offensive rookie of the year, I think it is going to be Joe Burrow, got his first win last week. Uh, Chase Young, I, a good, another solid pick there. I will concede that. Two former Buckeyes and one's a Bayou Bengal as well as a Cincinnati Bengal. Comeback player of the year, I'm, I'm torn. I'm torn. Yes, I think Big Ben could win it. I don't know who else is out there that could get it, though. I think it really just depends who's going to come back, when we're going to see it, and if Big Ben can can or can carry this all season. But other than those few I changed or I made my picks on, I think you have a very good list. Yeah, the only other player who I've seen a lot about comeback player of the year other than Big Ben is Cam Newton. He's the only other guy who I've seen a lot of. But he's he's he hasn't played terribly, but he hasn't played to the level that he should to win comeback player of the year, in he's my also opinion. Out now. Yeah, with COVID nineteen. We'll get to that in just a second. Um but my, my defense on TJ Watt is he's an edge rusher, so he, sa- he gets the sacks, the tackles for loss. Again, he's the highest-graded edge rusher through the first four weeks of the season. However, he also can drop back into coverage, which is something Miles Garrett typically does not do. Uh, so TJ Watt had more interceptions than Stephon Gilmore last year, which is funny enough, but he got robbed on that. Anyway, uh, back into Week 4, you'll get another awards update halfway through the season. Jacob and I will both... Uh, continue to give those a look back at might what might just be the most memorable week of the season week four of the nfl uh, and we start off with our good friend COVID 19 in the nfl yeah not what you want to see the titans had a lot of people test positive and that game ended up getting moved to october 25th against the steelers and that's not good for either team because now the Steelers, what, eight weeks without a bye? 13 straight games. 13 straight games without a bye. And I'm surprised the NFLPA hasn't been all over that yet. Um, Patriots and Chiefs was moved to Monday night. So they were still able to play since Cam Newton tested positive. No other player from either team did. Stephon Gilmore tested positive after that game, though. Not what you want to see if you are the Patriots and the Chiefs. Uh, but I, I just don't know what's going on. We've seen today there was breaking news before we came on that there were more positive tests in the Titans building. So what's going to happen with that? It's all just, are they going to miss another game? Or is the NFL going to make the Titans forfeit this game? Like, what's going to happen? So uh, first things first, the NFL is investigating a little, a uh, little bit. So after the Titans-Vikings game, uh, not this past weekend, but the weekend before, which was the last game that we saw the Titans play, um, the day after, they got shut down for COVID. So the rule was nobody's allowed to work with each other. Nobody's allowed to be in the building. It all has to be virtual. So kind of like how us college kids are meeting on Zoom and all that fun stuff for class, that's how you have to approach it to get on there. 
And the fact that there's more positive tests shows that there were people working out together. So the NFL is investigating that. But if I have to look at what this shows towards the league for COVID protocol, I think the NFL did well. However, the the Titans have to be investigated here. Uh, If they can't play the Bills game, I don't see any way they can make that up. They got very lucky with the Steelers that the Ravens were able to move back a week and just do a different bye week. But at the same time, the Titans not only should be penalized in some way for breaking protocol, but at the same time, you have no time to make up games anymore. And if you have to start forfeiting games, I'm all for it. Um, The Bills would be getting a favorable, hey, you get a free win here. Uh, The Steelers, of course, would still have to play. I'd much rather see them play. I'd much rather see that. But the Titans physically have no time left in the season to go and make up these games. So I, I think forfeiting would be coming here soon. And unfortunately, you're right. We hate to see it. But that's going to end up... That's gonna what's, that's what's going to end up happening. More fines for mask issues. Raiders fined for not wearing masks at a fundraiser. Waller, 30000 Derek Carr and others, 15000 and like, come on, guys, come on, really? That that's that's all we're gonna say about that. Come on. And from then we'll go on. After that little impromptu break, I'll say a uh, big shout out to Phil Beskid, our uh, faculty advisor here at BG. Uh, great guy, great guy. Uh, we'll go to the picks of the week. So, Zach, you were 13-2 and two in week four, which is insane. Yeah, so I've been going on my Twitter account every week, and I've been making my picks for who I think will win each game. Uh, through the first four weeks of the season, I was 20-19-1, that one being the tie between the Bengals and the Eagles. This past week, in week four, I went 13-2. and two. The only ones I mispredicted were the Lions and I want to say um, the upset of the Packers and the Eagles. So that was the two that I really got wrong. So I will be doing more of those here later on. Uh, we look at a couple of these big games from earlier on. Uh, the Buccaneers and the Chargers played on Sunday. Mr. Tom Brady going up against Justin Herbert. And man, was that a fun game. Uh, Brady had to throw five touchdowns. He collected his 222nd career win, which is just insane. He played that game without Chris Godwin. He played it without Leonard Fournette. Mike Evans was a little injured in that game. Did come back to play, but going into a week five where he really does need to be playing hard to win, he got a huge, huge win. Uh, So Tom Brady, congratulations on your 222nd career win. Uh, And then the Chiefs and the Patriots, again, got moved from Sunday over to Monday, uh, where the Chiefs decimated the Cam Newton-less Patriots. And honestly, Patrick Mahomes these past few weeks has not looked the most dynamic. These defenses have, I think, started to learn how to attack him. But, you know, you got to give him a lot of credit for how he's been playing lately. Yeah, you really do, and you he's one of the best players in the league for a reason right now, and I 
I don't see the Chiefs losing to anyone right now. Um, the other one, the I can see the Bills losing. I don't know who the Bills play this week. It's supposed to be the Titans, right? So one of them was going to fault this week. Steelers at 3-0. and Who do they have this week? The Steelers play the Eagles this week at home. Steelers play Philadelphia, so that's almost a guaranteed win, even though Philadelphia finally got a win. Uh, but let's go. Let's talk about some teams without a win. The Jets, Joe Flacco starting. I think Joe Flacco is going to do well in this. I, I think he is slept on a little bit. I th- still think he has a little bit left in the tank. Um, I'm going to call the Jets. Who are they playing this week? They've got the Cardinals. This Cardinals. Week. Oh, New York. I think that's. I think the Jets can win this game. This is a very winnable game for New York. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, the 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 race to zero and sixteen. Uh, as I look at these couple of games available, the last team to go zero and sixteen was the Cleveland Browns a couple of years back. Uh, the only unbeaten teams that are still around are the Jets, Giants, Texans, and Falcons. And I agree completely. I think that Sam Darnold's time in New York is going to slowly start coming to an end, especially if Joe Flacco can show up and play well. Um, Playing against a Cardinals team this week that Kyler Murray's got to start playing again, um, I I agree. I do also kind of like the Jets. I'm not personally putting money on this game, but... Well, we can't leave an Ohio sports game league's illegal. if, If you're looking at a team that could provide the Jets their first win. It's it's by far the Arizona Cardinals. The other team that I think could go 0-16 is the New York Giants. Um, I think that they should be tanking to get some fun new pieces on that offense. I don't think you give up on Daniel Jones yet, but you can keep rebuilding that O-line. You can get some defensive pressure. They looked decent against the Rams, only losing by a score in that game. So you've got the pieces there. It's just you need to continue building around Daniel Jones. So if I had to choose a team to go 0-16 this year of the four still winless teams, it would be the Giants. And from there, we'll go on to Week 5. Eagles at Steelers in the battle for Pennsylvania, which I don't think that's actually a rival, like a rivalry name. But Steelers coming off a of bye week. Eagles got their first win against the 49ers, who are really banged up. Winner of the AFC North versus winner of the NFC East. They're currently leading each division. They're currently leading each division. Okay, I, that's I got very confused there for a second. I think this is going to be a hard-fought game. I think the Eagles could maybe pull a bit of surprise on the Steelers. I don't think they will. I think the Steelers are going to win, but I think there's a sliver of a hope that Philadelphia can beat their in-state rival. So, uh, I, I'm going to say this. Um, the Eagles won by a touchdown over a 49ers team that is without their starting quarterback, their starting running back, their starting wide receivers, who are a little banged up. George Kittle came back. And all the defensive pieces like Nick Bosa, Solomon Thomas, Richard Sherman. And again, you beat them by a touchdown after Nick Mullins got benched for C.J. Rathard. So, I don't think this game's even close. This is a 100% healthy Steelers team, minus Derek Watt, who is our fullback. Uh, Deontay Johnson cleared concussion protocol. He is back at practice. TJ Watt, Bud Dupree, Cam Hayward, really, really solid interior D linemen and edge rushers. Uh, You got Tyson Alualu 
and this offense looks good. And uh, with with a week to prepare for this Eagles team, I don't give this Eagles team a chance in this game, especially when the Eagles don't have an offensive line currently. Um, I, I Jason Peters was supposed to play this game, and he got placed on IR before the Niners game last week. I don't give the Eagles any chance in this game. This might be the game of the week. Tampa Bay at Chicago. And the Bears are no longer undefeated, but it is a matchup of Tom Brady versus Nick Foles, a rematch of Super Bowl 52. I think the Bears' defense can handle Tom Brady. Uh, I'm going to go with the Bears in this one. Um, I think it's going to be a close game. I think it's going to be decided by a touchdown. So I'm going to disagree with you yet again, uh, just for a moment. And yeah, Brady and Foles both being on new teams, playing each other for the first time since Super Bowl 52. Um, Tampa Bay might have a little bit of a handicap on this week. Uh, Chris Godwin has already been ruled out, and it's going to be interesting to see what the rest of this offense looks like. Uh, Mike Evans and Scotty Miller... Uh, go Falcons. Uh, both were questionable going into the week. They play Thursday night, so it'll be interesting to see. But this the, the Colts shut down this Bears offense last week, and this Bears offense is not all that dynamic. Uh, Allen Robinson needs to get paid. All the spunk got taken out of their, their sales when Tariq Cohen went down for the year. David Montgomery is still solid. Nick Foles can only do so much. The defense is solid, but when you're going up against Tom Brady... Again, I still think is a little washed up, but Tom Brady just threw five touchdown passes against the Chargers, who I think have a significantly better defense than the Bears. On top of that, you've got Mike Evans, who has scored a touchdown in every single game he has played this year. Mike Evans is dynamic. Ronald Jones looks good, and I think you're going to see Gronk get some action because we really haven't seen much from him. I give it to the Buccaneers by 10. We're going to just kind of run these ones off real quick here because I'm we're kind of running out of time because I've got a I've got a 20 minute drive. Uh, Again, we had a bit of an awkward week recording Vikings at Seahawks Seahawks really pounding it through there. I don't see any way that the Vikings can win this game. Uh, So I'm I think we'll both agree Vikings will probably lose by about 15 or more. I think that's a good one. Russell Wilson, insane. Uh, DK Metcalf tied for first in NFL receiving yards of 403. Tied with Stephon Diggs. Chargers and Saints. Holy cow. Uh, This is a big game in New Orleans. Uh, As in New Orleans needs to show up on Monday Night Football. Chargers on their backup quarterback. I forgot his name again, but he's not looked bad. No, Justin Herbert's actually looked really good with the Saint or with the Chargers. Went to toe to toe with Tom Brady and almost beat him. So he's still searching for his first win. Michael Thomas expected to return for the Saints, who just came off of a big, big win themselves over the Lions, who started to try to make a pushback. Uh, the only thing is, is, this game might be moved to Indianapolis due to Hurricane Delta. Uh, coming up through the Gulf Coast right now. Um, Our prayers and thoughts are with uh, everybody affected by this hurricane, um, supposedly to hit New Orleans, Louisiana. So that game might be pushed somewhere else. 
I think the Saints have this game, although I think the Chargers' defense is really good. Michael Thomas coming back is going to instantly be a problem for this team, especially when you've got a guy like Alvin Kamara already on the team. Uh, It's also going to be a matter of can Marshawn Lattimore and Janoris Jenkins come back from injury. They did not play against the Lions. And when Matt Stafford started to push down the field, you could tell that they missed those guys. So that game, I think, comes down to the defense and health. If those cornerbacks are playing, I give this game 100% to the Saints and Drew Brees. If not, I think we see Justin Herbert get his first career NFL win, which would be Really, really cool for him. So that's the Monday night game. Move on to NCAA football now and some big upsets. Uh, and Big 12 is out. I think we can. I think the Big 12 is going to be out, depending on what happens in the Big 10 season. But Oklahoma lost to Iowa State. The Horn Frogs go in and beat the Longhorns. The Big 12 has not looked good this year. My my pick to replace them, Cincinnati in the American. Uh, big wins. Florida came back. Georgia beat Auburn. Alabama looked like Alabama against Texas A&M. Uh, and then Miami and Clemson. That's a number one versus number seven matchup. Texas at Oklahoma, the Red River rivalry. Uh, that's going to be a big one. Texas dropped down at number 22. And then Florida at Texas A&M. Florida number four there. Some big matchups in the SEC and... The ACC, not really the Big Twelve. It's it's gonna if a Big Twelve team makes it, it's gonna be Texas or Oklahoma. But I don't think either of them will make it. So I gotta disagree a little bit, but I I kind of agree a little that the Big Twelve is in a bit of trouble. Uh, Oklahoma's lost two games now. Texas just lost their first game. They dropped from nine to twenty two. And we mentioned that we haven't even seen the Big Ten or the Pac-12 play yet. For all we know, Oklahoma, or not Oklahoma, Oregon can come and be lights out in the Pac-12. And then they come in and they make some noise. Uh, I'm looking forward to this Miami-Clemson game. Miami has looked really, really good. And I think it's about time Clemson faces a, a surefire opponent. Whenever they play good opponents like the SEC or Ohio State, they always try to show up. But some, in some ways more than others, they fall apart. So that's going to be a huge game to see if Miami can get that in-conference win. And that'll take us into everybody's favorite segment of the Smith and Seidel show, overreaction or underreaction. We're going to say a bold take to another, to each other, and then we're going to get an opportunity to give our thoughts and see if we're either taking things a little too far or not giving enough credit to it. So I'm going to go ahead and start this first one off to Jacob. Uh, he already started kind of talking about it, but I, w- I just want to hear his full thoughts on it. After Texas lost to TCU over the weekend and Oklahoma lost its second straight game, there is no chance a Big 12 team makes a college football playoff. Is this an overreaction or an underreaction? This is an underreaction. The Big 12 is out. They've proven that their lack of defense loses the big games. And really, for some teams, the lack of offense. Although TCU looked fantastic against Texas, there's just I don't think there's a Big 12 team that can compete with the rest of the Power Five this season, and like I said, it's going to be Cincinnati. In my opinion, I think we're going to see a Group of Five school make the college football playoffs for the first time, but it could also be a Pac-12 team. CFP will have two SEC teams. Overreaction or underreaction, Zach? 
I think this is a slight overreaction, and the only reason being is that we haven't seen three of the power or two of the power five schools yet. Um, Alabama's getting into this postseason. Alabama looked awesome against Texas A&M, and I think they continue their winning ways. On the other side of the coin right now, Clemson has been dominating the ACC. If Miami can beat Clemson, that shakes everything up. Notre Dame is in the ACC right now as well, so you never know. That's why this Week 6 game against the Miami Hurricanes is huge for this Clemson team. If they win this game, I don't think anybody takes the ACC from them. So you've got those two right there. Ohio State is still my favorite to make it in there and win the college football playoff this year. But that fourth seed was up for grabs. I said Texas. Jacob still thinks it's Cincinnati. And we haven't even seen the Pac-12 again, for all we know. Penn State could look really good. Michigan could look really good. Oregon could look really good. And who's to say that Texas doesn't win out? Um, I think it's an underreaction only because we haven't seen these teams yet. But if I have to go off of it right now, the way Florida's been playing with Kyle Trask and Kyle Pitts, holy cow, you're going to see two SEC teams. So there's an asterisk to that underreaction. Jacob, overreaction or underreaction, the Yankees will represent the American League in the World Series. Yeah, that's going to be an overreaction. You can't live and die by the world or by the home run, especially in the playoffs. They're going to run into some really good pitching in the ALCS, and they're going to get knocked off their form. Underreaction or overreaction, the Padres will play the Marlins to decide the National League. Overreaction, this Marlins team, congratulations, you made it to the postseason ahead of where you should be in your rebuild. In that, you've got to be very, very proud of how you are and how you've been playing. That being said, you're going up against a Braves team that looks really, really good. Again, we're currently recording and they're playing right now. Last we saw, they're up two runs in the top of the fifth. Do I think the Marlins could do it? No, I don't. I think this is an overreaction. I think it'll be the Padres, but I think you're going to see the Braves play in that game. Overreaction or underreaction? Jimmy Butler can push this Lakers series to a Game 7. Overreaction. LeBron's going to put the Lakers on his back and score 40 points tomorrow night to win the NBA title. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Underreaction or overreaction, the Hurricanes will not only beat Clemson this weekend, but will win the ACC. I'm throwing this on the books right here, right now. This is an underreaction. This Miami Hurricanes team looks legit. Again, this is the biggest matchup in college football this weekend. If they beat Clemson, they will win the ACC. I will repeat that. If they beat Clemson, they will win the ACC. Clemson, again, shows up against the teams they need to, but there's three teams this year in the ACC. It's Clemson, Notre Dame, and Miami. If Miami beats Clemson, Clemson being in the college football playoff the past X amount of years, I think they win the ACC. I don't have any doubts about that. Overreaction or underreaction, after firing Bill O'Brien, the Texans will start clearing house of the highest salary cap in the NFL. Overreaction or underreaction? Underreaction, Deshaun Watson is going to be a uh, quarterback at a different team, and I think it might be the New York Jets next year. You weren't expecting that, were you? No, no, I wasn't. Hot take, but I think it makes sense. Texans want a clear house. New York needs a quarterback, and we've seen Deshaun Watson have good teams. 
I, I got to just say something on that. I wasn't expecting you to throw Deshaun Watson. He just got extended over the offseason. Um, I, I was expecting more of along some of these other lines. J.J. Uh, Watt, his contract ends not this season, but next season. Like, I was expecting you to throw that kind of name or something like that at me, not Deshaun Watson. I don't think Watson gets sent out of the Texans, but I do think that they're going to start rebuilding a little bit. Uh, I think you're going to see a new coach, new GM, rebuild the team how they want to. Some of these older pieces will go. Uh, I think Deshaun Watson stays there. I think you build a team around Deshaun Watson, 100%. But interesting. That's an interesting call. Underreaction or overreaction, the Washington football team will be the only NFC East team in the playoffs. And I say this, and I want to just say this, there should not be an NFC East team in the playoffs. I agree with that. You got three teams right now, or four teams in the NFC East. Three of them have wins. No team has more than one win. The Eagles have a tie to the Bengals, and one of their losses is to the Washington football team. Looking at this question at face value, you'd assume that this is an overreaction question, but having watched all four of these teams now play a game, I gotta kind of say underreaction, and the reason being is that this Washington front seven is ridiculous. It sucks Matt Ioannidis is out for the year, but if Chase Young comes back, this is still a ridiculously competitive team. Kyle Allen got the start for this week, benching Dwayne Haskins just to give him some time to breathe. Ron Vera's got this team in a good spot, in my opinion. Again, this Cowboys offense is electric. This Eagles team is confused, and this Giants team is rebuilding. I say this is an underreaction, but I think you could see Dallas push this envelope as well. But if I'm looking at a team right now, I kind of like Washington. Who doesn't? You know, they, they look like a good team. Overreaction or underreaction? I, I'm curious to see where you do this. The Carolina Panthers will win the NFC South. They are currently 2-1. Overreaction or underreaction? I've said this every now and then. This is a reaction. There's no over or under to it. I think they have a good team down in Charlotte. I, I think they could edge out the rest of the NFC South. But I don't know if they will. I think they, it's a very distinct possibility, but I can't say it's an underreaction or an overreaction. And our final one tonight, there will be three AFC North teams in the playoffs this season. Overreaction or underreaction? I'm going to say this is an underreaction. The AFC North has been a ton of fun to watch this year ton of fun and I'm currently sitting in a room with a Browns fan it's me as a Steelers fan Seidel here as a Browns fan and as I'm saying this he's over here nodding his head in agreement with me the Cincinnati Bengals don't look too bad under Joe Burrow but they still have a year or two until they're seriously contending for this division you got to continue building around Joe Burrow make sure this offensive line clicks this defense needs a few more pieces before they can shut down some of these good players you look at the Browns the Browns are three and one Right now, for the first time in a quite a long time, they currently have a win streak. This 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 team looks good, too, and I think it's a lot of credit to Kevin Stefanski for finding the strength of Baker Mayfield. Jacob and I said this going into this season, that this season is a ride or die with Baker Mayfield. And so far, it's looking good. The only question mark I have with the Browns still is that defense, because I think it's a Miles Garrett injury away from falling apart. 
but for the last couple of weeks you've shown up and you got to give credit to them. And then you're, the Baltimore Ravens look like the Baltimore Ravens. Lamar Jackson got pulled from the Washington game this past week. He is currently questionable for this week. Um, it, it's going to be a curious thing to see if something's wrong with him. But if you look at that Chiefs game, Lamar Jackson looks very beatable. And then the Steelers, of course, with Ben Roethlisberger at the helm, look good. The defense still is one of the most ferocious in football. And Ben Roethlisberger can chew clock and push the ball down the field. I think this is an underreaction. I think you see three AFC North teams make the postseason. In what order? I guess you'll have to find out at another time. Okay, I got one more for you on that. The Browns, the Steelers, and the Ravens will all split their series against each other. Overreaction or underreaction? Overreaction. And the reason being, I, 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 I don't see it happening because I see the Browns and the Steelers splitting. I've, said, I've been saying that. The Browns show up against the Steelers, and again, barring an injury, a suspension, or something like that to Miles Garrett... We'll see. The Steelers team split the series with the Browns last year on a third-string quarterback. I think there's a huge asterisk on that, depending on if Roethlisberger keeps can, can continue pushing the ball down the field. I think the Steelers and the Ravens split their series. Uh, again, good defense in Pittsburgh last year shut down Lamar Jackson without Ben Roethlisberger, and Mason Rudolph looked good until Earl Thomas threw him out of the game. Earl Thomas isn't there anymore. This Ravens team... Playing against the Steelers is going to be fun to watch. Do I think the Browns and the Ravens split? I do not. I do not. Um, your best chance was playing them at home without fans in Baltimore to open the season, and Cleveland laid a goose egg. Um, I think that you could potentially see some fans in Cleveland push the envelope a little bit, but I don't think it's enough. And the Browns have been told by the state of Ohio they can double their seating capacity. I think the Browns can put up big numbers against the Ravens at home, especially now that they have games under their belt and they have a team identity. That's going to do it for us here on Smith & Seidel. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next week when we talk about all the latest sports news. Yeah.